Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research-based information about dramatically improving health, well-being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Today we're going to take a deep dive into how nutrition plays a role in musculoskeletal medicine. You know, we've previously talked about weight loss and stem cells and other regenerative treatments for knee arthritis. But today, my discussion with my guest will focus on nutrition, dietary supplements, and exercise, and how she works to manage many musculoskeletal conditions, including arthritis of the knee. My guest today is an assistant professor of rehabilitation medicine here at Weill Cornell. She specializes in both sports medicine and spine care. And what I find particularly fascinating is how she takes a holistic approach to maintaining health and wellness in her patients. So I'm very excited. Please welcome Dr. Vandana Sood. Dr. Sood, welcome to The Backstory. Thanks for having me, Dr. Singh. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, you mentioned you have an interest in the intersection of nutrition, exercise, and how it relates to joint health. So tell me a little bit, how did you first get interested in this space, and how do you really think about those strategies when you talk to patients? Well, there's a lot of focus in the media on natural remedies, dieting techniques, and exercise programs. So my patients are routinely asking me to weigh in on what would be best for them. And as a physician, my goal is to provide them with evidence-based recommendations. I have also noticed that a number of my patients are sometimes reluctant to take prescription medications. This can be for a variety of reasons, whether they want to focus on more natural options, or perhaps they're hesitant about the cost or potential side effects of some of the more commonly used anti-inflammatory medications. What we know is that there is certainly an overwhelming amount of evidence in support of regular exercise, as well as a balanced and nutritious diet in limiting and reversing certain chronic medical conditions. You know, I, I agree with you. You know, we treat a lot of spine care at the spine center. I see a fair amount of joint and knee arthritis. And for whatever reason, our go-to medication is some type of anti-inflammatory, whether it's Motrin, Aleve, Ibuprofen, Advil. And a lot of times these patients don't want to take them because of other medications they're on. They might have heart disease. Or, you know, here in New York, a lot of patients just want to be natural. So how do you, how do you have that discussion with those patients of they don't want to take these anti-inflammatories that are prescription, yet we need to figure out a way to decrease inflammation in that body? What's that conversation like? So that ends up being a good time to discuss some common supplements. So let's dive in um, to talk about one common supplement, which is called curcumin, or the active ingredient of the spice turmeric. I personally have a particular interest in this supplement. As you know, it's a spice used commonly in Indian cooking and has long been recognized to have medicinal properties. So you mentioned curcumin. I, I talk about turmeric and curcumin a lot with my patients. And as a South Asian, you know, we do cook a lot with it in our cuisine. Is that sufficient enough? Can I get enough of the active curcumin root and the anti-inflammatory properties in just with cooking, or do I need a supplement? So typically, the doses that you would get through cooking are not exactly the same. And uh, when you cook, you use turmeric. When you're using curcumin, it's actually the active ingredient that's extracted out. So I would say that to get the anti-inflammatory effect, you probably need to use a supplement rather than simply relying on diet. However, there are some good studies that show that there is a beneficial effect on chronic inflammation, particularly the pain, inflammation, and stiffness that we can see in arthritis in those who take curcumin. Let's go back a little bit. So what, what is curcumin or turmeric? How does it actually work in the body, and how does it bring down inflammation in those who take it as a supplement? So it seems to work by blocking inflammatory cytokines and enzymes, and this anti-inflammatory effect 
which, which has been pretty well documented in a lot of lab-based studies, is important in modulating pain and inflammation and osteoarthritis, since we know a lot of the symptoms of osteoarthritis come back to underlying inflammation. Would you say this is one of the more common supplements that you recommend your patients taking who want to bring down inflammation for joint pain? Absolutely. So when you look at the literature, curcumin is probably one of the best studied supplements uh, for reducing pain and inflammation related to osteoarthritis. There was recently a review study that analyzed all the currently available literature, and they found that when they, when they did a review of, of a number of different studies, using 1,000 milligrams a day of curcumin worked just as well as taking a common non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication. However, it's important to remember that those studies were small, so we definitely need larger, more rigorous studies for confirmation. You know, what, what you just said is pretty compelling, that a natural supplement like curcumin could exert the same anti-inflammatory effect as a prescription medication with probably minimal side effects. Have you seen any side effects that your patients report when taking the supplement? You know, I haven't. So I do think it is a very good option. But it is important to remember that that curcumin has not been probably as well studied as more traditional non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. So we should still be cautious. Is there a recommended dose for curcumin? Yes. So when you look at the studies that have been done so far, typically they dose it as about 1,000 milligrams a day. So either taking one pill every day or two 500 milligram pills twice daily. It's challenging to talk about supplements, especially in a large academic health system where we practice, just because you know, there isn't much FDA oversight when it comes to supplement. There isn't the rigorous testing and the rigorous clinical trials that go into the other pharmaceuticals. How do you answer that when a, when a patient challenges you or questions? You know, what's the evidence that curcumin works or even some of the other supplements that we're going to talk about? Agreed. I think that's, that's a really important point because when you dive in to evaluate nutritional supplements, it becomes quickly apparent that this is an unregulated industry. Under the Dietary Supplement Act, anything that's labeled as a supplement is considered safe until proven otherwise. This means that supplements are not tested or regulated the way prescription drugs are. So typically, we don't have as much information about their purity, strength, or potential interaction with other medications or diseases. However, we do have some studies done in patients with osteoarthritis who have inflammation, and over the course of the studies, we have seen that at least in the short term, curcumin and turmeric appear to be safe and relatively effective. You know, that brings me to another supplement that we talk a lot about, especially in the joint pain space, glucosamine and chondroitin. You know, I, I've heard you speak on these two supplements regarding joint arthritis. So tell me a little bit about these supplements and how they work. And again, is there any data to support their use? Yes, these are also very commonly used. So let's start off with glucosamine. This is a component of natural joint cartilage, and it is thought to be involved in the growth and repair of cartilage that is damaged in patients with osteoarthritis. When it's prescribed, it's often given with chondroitin, which is a component of connective tissue. Chondroitin is thought to enhance the shock-absorbing properties of collagen that makes up some of the connective tissue in the knee, and we think that it blocks enzymes that break down cartilage. You know, it's funny, this week, or even last week, a lot of patients have been asking me about collagen supplements. You know, should I take collagen? Is it not only going to help my joints, but will it help my skin? Will it make my skin look tighter? Have you heard anything about this regarding collagen? So I haven't heard about collagen in particular. I'd say that better studied would be a combination of glucosamine plus chondroitin. So same, have there been good quality, rigorous studies regarding these two supplements, specifically in joint health? 
Yes, there actually are. There are some large and well-designed studies that have examined the use of glucosamine plus chondroitin together. So there was one study that found that the combination of these was just as helpful as traditional non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications. However, there was another really well-designed study that found them to only be effective in patients who have moderate to severe pain and only found it to be helpful in the short term or up into about six months. Based on that, is there a subset or a group of patients where you would say, you know what, you're not going to really benefit from the supplement because the severity of your arthritis is so severe? Or would you still recommend this to the majority of your patients? I would, I do think there is a subset of patients who have such significant inflammation. Maybe there's someone who have a knee that's super swollen and they're really having significant um, deficits. I don't think those are the, those are the patients who stand to benefit as much from glucosamine and chondroitin, but for someone who has more moderate pain and maybe doesn't have a lot, lot of swelling in their knee, I would consider glucosamine and chondroitin as a good option. It's worth a try. The evidence shows that it could be very helpful. And so to me, if a patient is interested, it's worth considering. So what about that patient who does have a severely swollen knee or presents with a hot red knee that looks inflamed? How do you manage that patient? You know, we talked about cortisone in the past. Where does that kind of fit into your algorithm? So I think a patient who presents in significant pain or with significant swelling, that's the kind of patient where maybe supplements are really not the right place to start. Those patients may need a higher dose of a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, or they may, as you mentioned, need a corticosteroid injection, which is, which is typically much more effective at reducing inflammation, particularly in the short term. Do you th- recommend patients getting chronic steroid injections? You know, there's always concern of bone loss and weight gain and all the other systemic problems with steroid. How do you kind of manage a patient's expectations who want to come in and say, Doc, I need a steroid injection? What do you, what do you tell them? So... Steroid injections, we know they, they, they certainly work in the short term to reduce inflammation, and I find them to be very helpful in a number of my patients. But whenever we start talking about corticosteroid injections, I make sure to counsel my patients to let them know that there is a limit to how many steroid injections you can do in any one joint or even across the whole body in a short period of time. So while I do use corticosteroid injections, I try to be judicious, and I try not to do more than a few over the course of a year, and I typically try not to repeat it within a short period of time if possible. So we hit on curcumin or turmeric. Uh, We talked about glucosamine, chondroitin. Any other supplements that our listeners should know about? Anything else that you recommend to your patients uh, when treating knee arthritis? So there are a number of supplements out there, and some of them are studied for other medical conditions. But I'd say that for osteoarthritis and the pain and inflammation associated with osteoarthritis, curcumin, turmeric, and the combination of glucosamine and chondroitin are the best studies and the ones that I would typically recommend to patients. Any contraindications or patients who may not be good candidates for these supplements given their medical history? Glucosamine and chondroitin are, are very safe, and I would feel comfortable of recommending those in most patients. Turmeric, because it does have a similar mechanism of action to non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, I would still be a little cautious in prescribing that to patients who have an underlying um, risk of increased bleeding. You know, I, I'm a big believer in curcumin. I, I do take the supplement. You know, I was reading in, uh, in an article that in order to get the same active anti-inflammatory component that you mentioned, you need up to eight tablespoons of turmeric. And if you've ever cooked with Indian food, if you're listening out there, that's a lot of orange powder all over your kitchen, all over your hands. 
Uh, so I think taking the capsule form is probably an easier way and probably a more effective way to, to get that anti- anti-inflammatory benefit. What do you think about the, the powder itself? Agreed. I think the powder has been used in Indian cooking for, for centuries. It may have some benefit, but I agree. I think the dosing that you would need to get an actual anti-inflammatory effect that we can, we can see, you would need to take an actual supplement for that. And that kind of makes sense, right? Because we've been cooking with turmeric for generations, yet the subcontinent and South Asians tend to have a higher propensity of heart disease, higher propensity of, uh, of knee arthritis. Uh, so it makes sense that you probably need a better dose than just what we cook with. That brings me to another topic that I'm very passionate about, which is weight. Uh, you know, especially in the spine world, we talk about how increased weight and extra pounds in the abdomen can put extra stresses on your on your lower back. Tell me a little bit about weight and how that can change the forces across your joints, specifically your knee joint. So we know that osteoarthritis is partially caused by increasing mechanical forces across any given joint. This elevates stress on the cartilage and eventually causes it to break down. And so there have actually been a number of really great studies that show that losing extra body weight, in addition to exercising, can lead to significant improvement in pain and physical function in those who are obese. Interestingly, there's also evidence that increasing exercise when coupled together with dietary changes improves symptoms of knee osteoarthritis the most. So patients who increase their exercise while also improving their diet have less knee pain, better function, and better walking speed overall. You know, there were some interesting biomechanical studies that took place a few decades ago that looked specifically at the stresses across your lower back. Uh, So one of the things I tell patients is for every pound of weight you lose in the belly, your spine is 7 to 10 pounds having less force. So you lose 5 pounds, your spine is 35 to 50 pounds less. Is that kind of true for the knee joint as well? Is there some number that you can tell patients, hey, listen, lose X amount of pounds and your joints will feel better? Yes, there is. Actually, there's very similar studies in the knee. And so during the normal human gait cycle, they measured that there's a force equal to about three to six times our body weight that gets transmitted across our knee joint. So for every extra pound of weight that you lose, you take off three to six times that amount off your knee. So losing five to 10 pounds can have a very significant effect on the pain that you're feeling from your knee osteoarthritis and can also prevent progression of the disease. Walk me through a patient encounter with you. You know, someone comes in with knee pain, let's call them 50 years old. Um, You get an x-ray, it shows some moderate knee arthritis uh, based on the x-ray. What is your treatment protocol? Where do you start? Do you go straight to cortisone or is it supplements? And how do you talk about weight loss and exercise in your treatment algorithm? Well, I think the answer to this depends very much on each individual patient and how they're doing when they come to see me. There's some people who have moderate osteoarthritis who have low-grade symptoms but are functioning pretty well. There's others who the x-ray shows moderate osteoarthritis and they're feeling very debilitated from the pain and they're really not able to do their normal activities and it's inhibiting their sleep, their work, their daily activities. So what we know is that The natural history of osteoarthritis has periods of inflammation and periods where symptoms subside and are better controlled. So some patients come to us in one phase of their disease and others come in another. So based on what they look like, I will sort of decide if this is a time to be focusing on maybe more medicines, injections, maybe a period of rest to manage their symptoms, or if this person is in a relatively controlled state of pain, and this could be a good time to sort of discuss exercise, weight loss, or maybe even supplements to help with their low-grade pain. 
I do think it's important that we mention all of these, even if someone is in a lot of pain. I think there's there's definitely in the long term a role for exercise, weight loss, and supplements. So I do make it a priority to discuss this with patients, pretty much with most patients at the first visit, even if it isn't our main our main treatment option in the short term. You know, I really love what you're saying about kind of prevention. You know, in the U.S. healthcare, we do a great job of intervening. You know, we wait for someone with knee arthritis and we have the best tools and the most innovative strategies in treating that pain with injections and stem cells and radiofrequency ablations, you know, a bunch of cool things. What we could do a better job is in healthcare prevention and, you know, patients not needing us as much in talking about weight loss and exercise. Uh, and I like how you say you mentioned that pretty early on in your discussion with the patient. How do you kind of guide them on what exercises are appropriate? What are the best ways to lose weight? How does that discussion actually happen? So I definitely think it's important to bring it up early on, but you don't have to have the full conversation the first time you meet someone. When we meet a patient, it's a long-term relationship. And so this can be an ongoing conversation where you build upon what you talked about last time. So in terms of exercise, I often work very closely with their physical therapist to start tailoring their exercises and and really focusing on what's working for them and making sure that the exercises they're doing are at the appropriate level for them. They shouldn't be too easy and they shouldn't be too hard. They're causing pain or that they aren't able to do them with perfect form. In terms of nutrition and weight loss, I often collaborate with other providers across our healthcare system. One of the great things about working in such a large academic healthcare system like Weill Cornell is having the ability to collaborate with other subspecialists. And so here at Cornell, we're lucky to have the Integrative Health and Wellbeing Center, which has nutritionists who can really help patients come up with a specific dietary plan. And we also have physicians at the Center for Comprehensive Weight Control, where there's physicians who focus on medically assisted weight loss, and they can really help patients bring down weight when they're struggling to do it on their own. Weight is another thing that we talk a lot about on this podcast and obesity specifically in the United States. Uh, you know, you mentioned exercise, and you know, one thing we say a lot is that abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym. So what you put in your body certainly has an impact on your joint health. We we spoke a few months ago with one of the nutritionists on an anti-inflammatory diet. I know you've mentioned this before, and you've written on it before. Talk a little bit about what this means to you. What's an anti-inflammatory diet, and what is that discussion like when a patient engages with you? Yes. So anti-inflammatory diets have definitely been getting a lot of buzz recently. From a joint health specifically perspective, we focus on how certain dietary patterns can either prevent or promote inflammation, which as we know, plays a role in the symptoms of arthritis. So there are studies that show that a Mediterranean style diet, which is essentially an anti-inflammatory diet because it emphasizes plants, whole grains, nuts, and healthy fats, can reduce inflammation compared to a more traditional American diet that may have more red meat, dairy, sugars, and processed foods. You know, Mediterranean diet always gets lauded as the best diet in the world through U.S. News and World Report, and, and I think it's because of what you mentioned. It it does focus on whole food, plant-based. It uh, tries to minimize the amount of sugar and starches that we traditionally eat in, in the United States, and, and we've seen that it does lead to decreased weight, which, as you mentioned, de- leads to improved joint health and joint function. So patients see you for knee pain and different type of joint arthritis. You talk about weight loss, you talk about exercise, medications, supplements. At what point do you have that discussion with the patient saying, listen, we've exhausted all the conservative options. I mean, at some point we need to talk about surgery. What is that conversation like? 
I think there is certainly a subset of our patients who the pain is so significant that no matter no matter what we try from the perspective of injections, medications, exercise, bracing, their pain persists. And often you can get a sense even when someone comes into your office, not everyone presents at the same at the same point in their disease process. And so for patients who really are not improving with a lot of these multimodal therapies that we're trying, it's very important to remind them that the definitive treatment for knee osteoarthritis is often a joint replacement. And knee joint replacement happens to be one of the most successful joint replacement surgeries we do. So it's important that if a patient is a good candidate for a knee replacement and really isn't responding to more conservative therapies, that we work with our surgical colleagues in orthopedics and have them get a surgical evaluation to see if they would be a candidate for a knee replacement. You know, speaking with you, it it encourages me that you aren't just an allopathic physician. You talk holistically on all the different disciplines when treating uh, someone with knee arthritis. For the listeners out there, what are some things that you can say to them? Or if they're struggling and they're frustrated with their knee health, if they've tried different treatments and therapies and aren't getting better, what is something you could say to them to encourage them or maybe they need to see you for a consultation? Well, I think it's important for for our patients to realize that every patient is different. And so if one thing doesn't work, it's important to cycle to other treatment options. So just because you've tried one type of medicine, or even if you've tried a number of different medicines, we have other treatment options. We have injections, we have exercise, we have bracing, and for some people, we even have surgery. And so even if your symptoms have been persistent for some time, it's worth coming in, speak to a doctor who specializes in this kind of care, and they can walk you through all the different options, see if there's anything else you haven't tried. And if needed, they'll always collaborate with other subspecialists to get you the best care. I certainly appreciate that. Dr. Sood, you are still taking new patients and seeing those who need an extra advice or a second opinion for knee arthritis and other joint pain? Absolutely. I'm happy to see any patient who'd like to discuss any of these topics. Great. So we will be sure to share that information with the listeners. So I appreciate this discussion on nutrition and supplements and really different treatment modalities for you all suffering out there with knee arthritis. The Wild Cornell Center for Integrative Health and Wellbeing and the Weight Control Center are all places we collaborate with to treat patients with knee arthritis, back pain, and things like that. So thank you, Dr. Sood, for taking time and meeting with us and sharing your thoughts with our listeners. And thank you all for tuning in to the Backstory Podcast. Remember, when it comes to your health, we've got your back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Backstory. Please subscribe Rate the podcast and review the backstory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his newsletter by going to www.rickysinghmd.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-S-I-N-G-H-M-D.com.